When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Need to Know. Real talk about the reality of unidentified aerial phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coltart. From the U.S., Bryce Zabel. Thanks for joining us today. We have a very compelling show. We're calling it Take Me to Your Leader uh, because it's about presidents and, and how they might have interacted with the UFO and the UAP issue that we're talking about. We'll be talking about what presidents know and maybe what they don't know about the subject. We'll even mention the ones that claimed that they saw UFOs. And we'll also talk about that time 70 years ago this year, when in the middle of a hotly contested presidential election in the summer of 1952, there was a two-week period uh, where there was a show in the skies that blew people's minds and scared the holy heck out of the uh, U.S. government authorities. And that will all be to come soon. In the meantime, I'm Bryce Abel. I'm here in Southern California. I want to reach out across the, uh, the sea to my partner in crime here, Ross Coltart in Australia. Ross? G'day, Bryce, and welcome. Uh, hello again from Down Under once again. I have to say it's been an amazing week of interviews. The last couple of weeks have been extraordinary. Um, Firstly, there was this guy called Bryce Zabel, my colleague in crime here, who did a, I think you were the opening show with Lou Elizondo on Coast to Coast. Well, you know what's funny about very... that, though? Uh, Lou actually opened for me, not that I'm claiming anything, but it was really quite an honor to be on the show with him anyway, yeah. And then George has had a really good month because he followed that up the next week with the um, Coast to Coast interview with two former CIA veterans, which I recommend people listen to, Jim, Ve Jim Semivan and John Ramirez. It amazes me that a guy like Semivan, who I think he was very senior in the clandestine operations directorate of the CIA. This is a former very senior CIA official. He's talking candidly, Bryce, about the fact that he and his wife were visited by, he claims, and he's the one saying this, an alien entity in his bedroom, which was malevolent. It actually caused physical harm to him and his wife. But aside from that, one of the things he talked about was he doesn't think that anybody yet in the government or anywhere has the full picture on UAPs. So Jim is pushing the line that nobody in the government really knows all that's going on. He's saying there's a lot more than nuts and bolts here. There's a psychic and biological element. But the, the takeaway for me was when he talked about Bob Lazar. You know, the guy who claims to have back-engineered or been asked to back-engineer alien spacecraft in Area 51. 
Jim Simmer then vouched for Bob Lazar's claims, which is quite extraordinary when you think about the fact that Lazar is talking about the whole allegation that the government has secretly recovered alien spacecraft. Semivan believes Lazar, which is just amazing to me. And there's a huge contradiction between the fact that he's saying he the government doesn't know what's going on and uh, the fact that he's saying he believes somebody like Lazar. It's just extraordinary. It is extraordinary. And, and you know, I don't, what's the explanation for it? Uh, maybe he's got a non-disclosure agreement where he can sort of suggest that Lazar was on track, but at the same time say nobody really knows anything or everything rather. I don't know that I actually believe that, though. The truth is we have been looking into this for at least 75 years as we sit here in 2022, looking back on uh, 1947 and probably longer than that. I think there are people uh, and there are certainly documents that show the work of all those people over all those generations who have been looking into this. So maybe we don't know everything, but we certainly have some informed theories that have not actually been shared with us. So I, I have a, a bit of an issue about that. But but actually hearing Simavan talk about that and, and the fact that there seems to be some kind of paranormal aspect to it, and, and he's a very highly placed person, as you mentioned, uh, does kind of send a chill down your spine and uh, it takes you out of the nuts and bolts territory. This topic has sort of traditionally uh, been most successful in talking to the average person about. So, uh, yeah, we're in uh, we're in some interesting times, no question about it. Uh, before we get into what we're talking about today, I really think we should also acknowledge the um, other inter interesting interview this week, which was Thomas Fessler's interview yes. uh, on Disclosure Tonight with Lou Elizondo, the former Pentagon UFO investigator. Elizondo firstly talked about how he, he's optimistic, you know, he's seeing a huge groundswell of change happening in DC, you know, the briefings he claims to congressmen and senior officials are having an impact. And, and people in Congress are now talking about potential hearings, the Republican Andre Carson, there's others behind the scenes, UFO events are still getting are still happening and getting reported. And he teased the debunkers, you know, he, he said to people who were saying it's still drones, he said, drones from China, psyops, get out of your mum's basement. And then he said definitively, he said, anybody who's in a position of trust, who has certain accesses and looks at this and says, they, they look at this and they say, this isn't ours, and we're damn sure this isn't Russian. He also talked about objects in orbit. He said, we track space stuff because it has a predictable pattern. When it's outside that pattern, that's when it gets our attention. And for these objects to do what these objects allegedly may be doing requires an astronomical amount of energy. So Elizondo said outright, it must be another type of tech that doesn't comport to our current models and understanding of physics. So. The one question, though, Bryce, mm. that he didn't want to answer is the one that Jim Simivan also ducked when George Knapp asked him, do we have ET craft and bodies? A question very easily denied if you're a senior government official that's worked in the Pentagon. And Elizondo answered, I can't answer that question right now. <laughs> But, but let's face it, Lou Elizondo should probably be the man of the year in UAP uh, issues, but he is an interesting guy. And each time he goes on uh, a, any interview, you think, wow, he's just he's making news here. But then he does it the next time, too. Now, 
it is all well and good for him to say, I can't really answer that question now, but he's gone out of his way in a couple of past interviews to suggest that he knows darn well that there is crashed wreckage. Uh, he did that most uh, uh, clearly on the Tucker Carlson show, and he's done it on some of these other podcasts as well. So I don't know. I think uh, Elizondo, uh, I, I happen to enjoy listening to the guy. I think that he's straight up. I know he's a controversial person in this uh, entire uh, investigation that, that is ongoing into what UAP is all about, but he has the ring of uh, truth to me. And I think he thinks that there is crash wreckage. Uh, he talked on another podcast not so long ago about how we had uh, images that show occupants inside some of these things. Uh, just one quick uh, thing. I believe Andre Carson uh, that you mentioned is a Democrat because the Democrats have uh, control of the House. So it's interesting. We do still have that uh, bipartisan look. We have people in the House on both sides of the aisle uh, talking about the UAP issue and how we need to investigate it. And just uh, finishing up from that, it seems that there is more and more talk that this might be the year or at least next year when we get some congressional investigations to look into all this. Well, yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath, Dave Rice. I'm just naturally pessimistic on these issues. Hey, listen, just on terms of correcting the record and bringing things up to date, I noticed our friends over at The Drive updated on the Swedish drones that were reported over the nuclear sites, the nuclear facilities in Sweden. And there's now been a Russian man arrested for flying a drone over the Swedish royal palace. He's apparently saying he just likes castles and he's not some sinister spook. But there's no word yet if he's responsible for the very large, mysterious drones, so-called, that were seen hovering over multiple nuclear facilities and government departments by um, multiple witnesses. I've actually taken an interest in this case because I've spoken to one or two of these witnesses. I've seen a video. It doesn't sound like, nor does it look like, a conventional drone. So not holding my breath, but let's just wait and see what the Swedish authorities come up with, if they make any announcement at all. Well, certainly people are talking about it. The debrief had a big article uh, in it this week as well. Um, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because we started talking about it last year, going back to the 1946 uh, ghost rockets over Sweden and, and, the, and the Scandinavian area. And uh, now it's happening again. Uh, it is easy to believe that it would be the Soviets who were, or rather the Russians in this case, who would be behind it. But uh, on the other hand, you still have to match the actual sightings and the descriptions of the, the witnesses to that. Um, so, um, you know, as long as we're <laughs> correcting the record, talking about other things, I want to just do one really quick thing, you know, in sort of my continuing complaint about the media and how we continually, it seems like, uh, for, have a short memory about what some of these people and, and issues are have to do with UAP. First, there was Harry Reid. We talked about that a couple episodes ago when he passed. Uh, hardly any of the obituaries mentioned that he was very heavily involved in the UAP issue. And, um, and it wasn't just Harry Reid when the National Defense Authorization Act was passed. Hardly any of the uh, mainstream media even mentioned uh, that that it had this big amount of legislation about UAP. And the latest thing to irritate me is uh, Time Magazine, which uh, in this uh, issue uh, from just last week, at the end of the magazine, they have a section called Seven Questions, and they interview uh, Bill Nelson, who is the uh, current director of NASA, who's been so very, very out front on the UAP issue and, and has been just a breath of fresh air. 
but no, not here. No, nope, no idea that he might be talking about extraterrestrials or no, nope, no, nope, not there. Move on. I mean, it is the biggest story of the moment. I mean, I, I, I know you and I are completely biased on this area, but frankly, you've got admissions now by the United States government that the phenomenon is real. The NASA boss, Bill Nelson, has come out publicly and acknowledged the possibility that this might be extraterrestrial. You do think the dimwits from mainstream media would go, you know what, this is an important issue. We should be asking about this. It's time to put NASA on the spot and ask questions about it. But you're right, they don't. You know, it's just frustrating. Um, but we'll continue to keep an eye on it. That's one of the things we like to do. And by, well, by the way, speaking of mainstream media, I don't necessarily consider myself mainstream media or necessarily, uh, I guess you are, uh, given your current job and all that. But the debrief just had an article out today where they listed people working in mainstream media on the UAP issue that they thought were doing good work. And guess what? We both made the list. So congratulations to the need to know uh, uh tandem here and uh we'll try to live up to that is all i can say listen let's move to the topic uh, of the moment here which is uh presidents and let's just uh we're going to talk a lot about history that hidden history angle that we like to do but let's jump straight into it uh, on the present tense what does joe biden know uh about uap uh, and when did he know it what do we what do we think is going on in the president's head Look, I doubt very much that Joe Biden knows much at all about UAPs, Bryce. I, I strongly doubt he's been given any kind of comprehensive briefing. As you know, back in, I think it was May last year, he was actually asked about President Obama's comments acknowledging that there is indeed a mystery surrounding these mysterious objects that are seen in the skies. And Biden just ducked the question and smiled and basically said of Obama's comments, I would ask him again, and then he smiled and left the room. And a lot of people saw this as some kind of sinister admission, some kind of conspiratorial smile. But frankly, I, I think Joe was just caught on the hop. I, I don't think he knew what to say. So rather than uh, answering the question or floundering on it, he just passed the buck back to Obama. But Biden surely must know that Congress has demanded a report last oh, December right. from the Pentagon and from the intelligence communities on UAPs in that National Defence Authorization Act, the NDAA. And so the uh, ridiculously named IAMZG, the uh, Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group that the Pentagon and their wisdom has dubbed this body, will provide intelligence to the Congress on UAPs. So whether he likes it or not, I think UAPs will definitely become an issue later this oh. year for the president and for the government. In 2020, I wrote all kinds of articles on the trail of the saucer side at Medium about what Biden knew or, or should know. Uh, and clearly now that he's president, he should know uh, as much as he can possibly know. I mean, think about it. His running mate uh, was a, a member of the Senate Intelligence uh, uh, Committee. That's Kamala Harris. So she certainly knew what they knew. And uh, they've certainly talked about it. And uh, the fact that Biden doesn't want to talk about it uh, personally in front of the media may be one thing, but he's certainly had some briefings. And, uh, I, you know, I think he's going to have to talk about it. Interestingly enough, I just want to introduce one idea. Uh, this last week on our Twitter sites, we ran a series of polls about U.S. presidents just to sort of, you know, not their science. They're not scientific at all. We understand that. But there are a lot of people that follow us who are well read on the topics and have their own opinions. So we're going to tell a few of those during the course of, uh, you know, the next half hour. One of them we asked about Joe Biden. The question was, 
has Biden received a comprehensive briefing on the UFO issue? And uh, we got well over 700 votes on that. And that's a lot of votes on a Twitter poll. So here's what the people said. Uh, 31% said that they thought he had been briefed, but uh, the winning number for no, he did not get briefed was 43%. So I think there's a lot of skepticism, not that he doesn't know something about it, because he'd have to be completely out of the loop, which I can't imagine to not know anything about it, but he may not ever know everything about it. And that may be kind of our mantra going ahead. We'll be back in a moment, and we're going to answer that burning question that people always have about presidents and UFOs. Why don't they just land on the White House lawn? Stay with us. We're back in a moment because you need to know. So welcome back to Need to Know. Now, we were talking in the first segment about the issue of what does the president know? And before we get into 1952, I just want to talk about a comment that Obama, President Obama made to James Corden on the Late Late Show in May of last year, 2021. He said, quote, when it comes to aliens, there are some things I just can't tell you on air. Now, when I heard that comment, Bryce, I thought to myself, that implies very, very strongly that Barack Obama, as president, was briefed about something to do with aliens. Because frankly, if there wasn't anything to do with aliens, he'd be able to dismiss it out of hand. Don't you agree? He's implying he knows something. I do agree. And it's another one of those, like, why don't some journalists uh, take a look at this? And, you know, uh, I have a, a friend, Ben Hansen, who's uh, a former FBI uh, agent, and he took a look at many of the statements that uh, Barack Obama has made on the air and sort of subjected them to that stress analysis. And he came to the same conclusion through that technique that he thought Obama knew more than he was talking about. Clearly, clearly he does. And it isn't just Obama uh, who has a little more uh, knowledge than he seems to let on. Bill Clinton's been doing that for years, but even in the last year, he's done it a little more directly in, in some of these interviews. And remember, it was uh, in uh, 2020 that Donald Trump uh, during an interview with George Stephanopoulos, and then frankly with his own son, implied that he had been briefed on the UAP issue, uh, and he made it sound like he knew a lot about it, but frankly his comments made it sound like he didn't know that much about it. So we, we have kind of a mixed bag, and uh, as we sort of now drive back into our hidden history segment, uh, we'll be unveiling some of what these other presidents thought. But first, uh, you know, Ross, I'm going to turn it back to you for 1952. Let's go back 70 years, Bryce. It's almost 70 years exactly. And there's a place at the end of the Ronald Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C., where I've spent an inordinate amount of time. Because as you'd know from TV, there are areas that journos go to with TV cameras to get good backdrops. And if you want a good backdrop spot for Washington, D.C., with the classic shot of the jet taking off and the Capitol rolling out in front of you, the best spot is at the end of the runway at Ronald Reagan National Airport in, in Washington, D.C. It's four miles out of town, about uh, four miles south of the US capital, but it's so close to the city, you can actually see the city skyline behind it. And if you come back with me in a time machine to that spot 70 years ago, around about 20 minutes to midnight on the 19th of July, 1952, 
the air traffic controllers at Ronald Reagan Airport were sitting there in front of their radar scopes when they looked and were shocked because there were seven UAPs, seven anomalous objects on their scopes, on their radar, moving to the northwest of DC, 15 miles northwest. They weren't aircraft, they weren't known aircraft, and what they were doing on the screen was astonishing. They were jumping around on the screen. And then as they watched, they actually looked through the window. These objects, quite literally, they didn't land on the White House lawn, but they tracked over the White House, the US Capitol building, it's quite blatantly moving, big orange ball of fire, one of them was described, or spherical orbs, moving very, very slowly across the, the most sensitive area of um, airspace in the United States. And uh, it was seen by multiple witnesses. There was a pilot taxiing for takeoff at, Ray at Reagan Airport who watched one of these objects being seen on the radar at the same time. And then it literally just zoomed off at incredible speed. And the thing I like about this whole incident, Bryce, is it's very similar in context to what we now know took place in 2004 with the USS Nimitz Tic Tac UAP incident, because there were multiple radars, multiple human eyeballs on the object all over the area. They sent up fighter jets at three in the morning. The fighter jets tried to uh, intercept these objects, but they all simultaneously disappeared when the fighter jets arrived. And um, these objects were monitored until dawn, until 5.30 in the morning. And we know that wasn't the end of it, don't we, Bryce? There was a, another incident the following week. Exactly. They came back. If they went away, they came back. Just one quick uh, correction. In 1952, it wasn't called Reagan Airport uh, because Reagan hadn't been president yet. And I I'm trying right now to remember what it was called. Was it Dallas? I think, yeah, I think it was called National Airport. National, or yes. We, 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 yeah, we, we, call it, uh, we call it Ronald Reagan now, but it was called Of course, because after his death, uh, it was renamed for him. Listen, this is a astonishing story. And I, I would like, and by the way, you're, you get my vote for Uncle Ross, the storyteller. That was a, <laughs> a beautiful little intro. And I... I, I don't even want to compete with it, but I would like to just suggest that let's uh, instead of doing our way back machine to go back to 52, let's go from 52 to now and just ask yourself uh, for anyone who's listening to this or watching this. If we had UFOs flying over the U.S. Capitol and the White House and all over Washington, D.C. on a weekend, would we not be freaking out? And if they came back the next week, would we not be over and out about this? Wouldn't this be the most insane story of all time? And of course, it would. We have a different, uh, you know, a threshold for these things. But even in 1952, it was a pretty big deal. Uh, we were in the middle of the presidential campaign of 1952 in July when this happened. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, who had famously been the, the general leading the European theater in World War II, uh, was the Republican nominee and was expected to uh, win. But he was being challenged by uh, Adlai Stevenson, a senator from Illinois. And um, Stevenson's Democratic convention was meeting that weekend. And this story was big enough that it threw the convention you know, below the fold in the newspapers. It was a really big deal then, but imagine with the television coverage and the internet and Twitter and social media, imagine what it would be like today if the same thing happened. Yeah, I know. And it's amazing because people often say to me, oh, you know, why haven't these things landed on the White House lawn? 
And I don't think people realize how easily manipulable back in those days the media was, and frankly still is. Because the uh, the story was huge. You're quite right. There were banner headlines, you know, sources swarm over capital. Um, and the data was incredible. Reporters were talking to pilots who'd, who'd tracked these objects with their fighter jets. They'd seen these objects with their eyeballs. And the radar operators at the National Airport were leaking the fact that these objects were tracked moving at 7,000 miles an hour. That's about 11,000 kilometers an hour. And again, the fascinating thing is it happened on a weekend, pretty much exactly the same time as the previous week, and it ended at sunrise. Surely, no coincidence that on two following successive weekends, the same kind of thing happened over the national capital. Was someone or something trying to send a message? Well, if they, if they weren't trying to send a message, then they, they don't know much about messaging because <laughs> it certainly did send a message. And by the way, just to pull this back into the presidential orbit, this is a very important presidential time in, in the nation's history and even in UFO history, because you think about it, we talked uh, in our last episode about the summer of 1947. That was when Truman was in charge and we had Roswell and the whole summer of the saucers with all the sightings. And then again, taking us to 1952, where the, the, the overflights of Washington, D.C., uh, Eisenhower goes on and gets elected. And supposedly, uh, according to some documents that were leaked in the 1980s, there's the possibility that Eisenhower received a briefing about all of that in 1952. Uh, and was told uh, about a group that Truman had formed uh, in the aftermath of Roswell called Majestic 12. Now, people have debated these things for, for years. Uh, and then it goes on that uh, uh, Eisenhower, shortly after being um, uh, inaugurated, uh, ended up actually meeting with extraterrestrials on an Air Force base. So there's a lot of stuff that is not well sourced from a journalistic point of view, but a lot of ideas in the air. So just to go back to our polls for a second, uh, we, we went to Truman and we said, did Harry Truman create an organization known as Majestic 12 in the aftermath of the Roswell crash? This one was a big winner for yes. 64% uh, of our, our Twitter followers said that he, in fact, did create Majestic 12. Um, and I think a lot of people would believe that whether he called it Majestic 12 or it was called something else, obviously, in the aftermath of the kind of summer of the saucers they were having, there needed to be some kind of U.S. response. And then on the Eisenhower thing, we asked people, did uh, Eisenhower actually meet with non-humans and strike a deal with them? That one was our closest one by far. Yes, 35 percent. No, 28 percent. Not sure, 37 percent. And the reason I, I put a pen, Ross, on the, um, the Eisenhower one is... It, for me, it's felt for years like it was just the most outrageous. And I just I thought I can't get my brain around that one. It just sounds too, too crazy by half. But last year they made a movie about it called The 11th Green. And they made a television series about it on uh, American Horror Story where they did a whole season about it. So I would just ask you, my friend, what's your take on um, Truman creating Majestic 12? What's your take on Eisenhower meeting with aliens? Look, I, I don't know about the veracity of the Majestic 12 documents. I mean, I, I know the story about how they, the, the, there was two sets, basically, and one set was left. They were photographs on a, a roll of film. I suspect that some or all of the documents that were left in the original bundle are genuine. 
but I can't say that I know that for sure. What I do feel is that the official record, the 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 existing archives that have been declassified, they are extraordinary in themselves yes. because they do show that Harry Truman, the president, was very upset that somebody was buzzing the White House with impunity. And as a result of that, he did order investigations. And that led to the creation of Project Grudge and then went right mm-hmm. through all of the different projects <clears throat> of investigation to the eventual cover-up known as the, um, the Robertson panel and the Condon report and eventually Project Blue Book. So I don't doubt for a moment, I mean, of course you would have, as president, you would have said this is a major national security priority. There are anomalous, intelligently guided objects showing a technology far beyond ours, buzzing the most sensitive airspace in the United States. Of course you would have made it a priority. Well, of course you would. And by the way, if there was nothing to the story, it would make you wonder why. And we know this for a fact, this is an actual fact, that Harry Truman asked to be briefed about the flying saucer issue every three months and was. So if there's nothing going on, I I don't know why he was getting so much briefing. Um, So it's it's very interesting. And by the way, the whole... um, the whole majestic thing. Uh, again, uh, I, while I started as an investigative reporter and a, and a CNN correspondent, I then kind of morphed into a, the, my Hollywood years, if you will. And during those Hollywood years, I created a show called Dark Skies. And the whole Great concept show. of Dark Skies, thank you. But the whole concept was literally that Majestic 12 was a real thing. And that uh, we told the story of a young congressional intern who sort of gets himself recruited into Majestic 12 during the Kennedy administration. Um, And that whole series built itself around the idea that somehow JFK was given a piece of the Roswell crash and then was murdered afterwards because he was going to tell the truth in his, uh, after his reelection. So uh, just to close out this segment with a little bit of Kennedy uh, poll data, we did ask about Kennedy. We asked our people on Twitter, was the assassination of JFK connected in any way to UFO secrecy? The people on Twitter did not vote with the dark skies point of view on this thing. They said yes by only 33%. They said no by 39%. They weren't buying Kennedy being involved with UFOs. Although there are other stories uh, where Kennedy is uh, uh, thought to have told Marilyn about Marilyn Monroe about UFOs and where Kennedy uh, also shortly before his death ordered uh, that we look into the, uh, uh, the UFO uh, situation in a way that we made sure that if the Russians, uh, we, we didn't attack the Russians if we saw a UFO. So lots of stuff going on. You know, there's one line, I'm watching your dark skies at the moment, and there's one line that you pointed me to where you've got your bad guy, your antagonist who's presiding <laughs> over the cover up, and he says, President Kennedy doesn't know about Majestic, does he? And, and the guy says, President Kennedy knows what he needs to know. <laughs> yes. You know what? And uh, th- that was my favorite scene uh, of, of the entire series. We wrote it for the pilot. It's during the Cuban Missile Crisis. That young member of Majestic 12 goes to see his boss and says, I don't understand how we can be getting this close to a nuclear war, given that Kennedy and Khrushchev should know about the alien situation. And uh, his boss is so cavalier about it. Uh, just smoking his cigarette, not even caring, that he says, President Kennedy doesn't know, does he? And that's when that line, President Kennedy knows what he needs to know, which is one of the most uh, shocking things uh, that you could even imagine. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of, uh, well, I'm sure over the course of our time, 
during the Need to Know uh, podcast. We'll talk more about it, but um, I tried to roll in all those great storylines into it. We're going to take a deep dive when we come back into what we call hidden history. And guess what? There are two presidents that said they saw UFOs. You know who they are? We'll be right back and talk about it. Need to Know continues in a moment. Welcome back to Need to Know. So Bryce, I've probably watched too many movies, but I, I have this reassuring and probably completely false idea about the American president. You know, we're always told he or she, for that matter, is the commander in chief, that the president's this omnis omniscient, all powerful figure who can demand information with the click of their fingers. And so if some pesky general refused to reveal the dark secrets of what they've got tucked away in a cave in Area 51, be it flying saucer, little green men or whatever, the president of the day can just send in the Marines. And so if the US Air Force is refusing, as I notice um, uh, Chris Mellon has hinted today in a very interesting article that he's written for the debrief. If the US Air Force is playing hard and refusing to hand over the secrets of UAPs, we should send them off to Guantanamo. The president's got the right to basically demand this information. So, Bryce, come on, mate. Depress <laughs> me with the grim reality. Well, uh, clearly, uh, there seems to be a division of opinion. Some presidents seemed like they got told more than others. Uh, there's two uh, incidents where presidents said they tried to look into it and, and, and met with frustration. Uh, the most recent is Bill Clinton, who sent his, uh, I think his attorney general, Webster Hubble, uh, off to look into it. And after about three months, Hubble came back and said, I, nobody wants to talk to me about it. And, and, and also, I think we need to acknowledge with Hubble, there's a bit of a grain of salt that needs to be taken with Hubble's claims, because he wrote a book about this and talked about how Clinton asked him to investigate UFOs. And it was good fodder to sell the book. But Hubble's a convicted felon. You know, he, he, he basically went to jail for all manner of naughty things that he did during his time in the White House. And um, it does raise a question mark that he was perhaps trying to flog a book. Well, I, listen, um, there's enough bad behavior in, in Washington and in this whole uh, scenario to, to go around. So here's another case in that case. Uh, Jimmy Carter had the same situation when he took office in 1977, and he asked his press secretary, Jody Powell, and his science advisor, Frank Press, to do a little nosing around, which they tried to do. Uh, they went to the CIA and the Pentagon and said, hey, do you guys know some stuff about this UFO issue that maybe you want to tell the president about? And uh, they didn't uh, seem to have anything they thought the president should know about. And I don't know if we can uh, prove this one. I've not been able to find the exact source for it. But for years, people have been talking about how a future president and the current CIA director, George H.W. Bush, uh, told Jimmy Carter that, uh, and here comes that title again. He told Jimmy Carter that uh, even presidents didn't just get told something if they asked for it. They only got told if they needed to know. And he told Carter, you don't need to know. Mate, I think there is something to the fact that Jimmy Carter did laudably try and break open the veil of secrecy on this issue. I've, I've, as you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in my book 
interviewing Dan Sheehan, the civil rights attorney, who tells a very interesting story about how he was retained by Marcia Smith, who was the space policy advisor for the White House, to assist in a White House report that was being prepared on what the government knew about the extraterrestrial issue. You know, were there recovered craft? Were there things that the government was holding back? Jimmy Carter did ask for information. That's irrefutable. I'm quite I have the exact uh, quote, by the way. I wrote this down before we went on. During the campaign, when he was running in 1976, he said, and this is a quote, um, I'll make every piece of information this country has about UFO sightings available to the public and the scientists. So that was his intent going into office. And I, I'm, not, I'm not in the least bit doubtful that Jimmy Carter, who was probably, let's say, one of the most morally strict presidents of recent time, um, you know, when he said something, he really meant it. You know, he's, his bond was his word. And I know for a fact from hearing Dan's story that Dan was basically given access as a result of his work for Jimmy Carter to the allegedly still classified, still secret files of Project Blue Book that 50 years on remain classified and that he was taken to um, uh, a completed but not yet open building of the Library of Congress that was very secure called the Madison Building, taken down into a basement by men in black suits who were in, car in charge and custody of extraordinary files, ushered into a room where there was a microfiche player on a table and boxes and boxes and boxes of microfiche. And I think Dan thinks they tried to snow him because he had one day to go through these files and he started going through them and there was just voluminous amounts of information that had not yet been revealed from Project Blue Book. And so he, he decided to do the clever thing that journalists do as well, which is you fast forward and look for the photographs. And the way Dan tells it, he went through one piece of microfiche, no photos, a second piece of microfiche, no photos. And then on the third piece of microfiche, he found gold. He found literally images of American soldiers dressed in 1940s uniforms with a 1940s real, real um, movie camera. And they were filming and obviously recovering a crashed lenticular craft, clearly intelligently constructed, that had crashed in a snowdrift and was clearly being recovered by the US military. Now, what fascinates me about this whole story is Dan has said this story many, many times. I've approached Jimmy Carter about it. He won't talk to me. I've approached Marcia Smith, the space policy advisor, who's now in private, private practice. She won't talk about it. I've approached the presidential library. Nobody wants to know about this. But here you have a reputable attorney, uh, somebody like Dan Sheehan, saying he saw these images irrefutable images showing the United States military involved in the recovery, allegedly, of a craft, which he said had writing on the top, you know, some kind of strange hieroglyphic symbols around part of the, the cupola, the rim, the classic flying saucer, top of the saucer. And um, the disturbing thing, Bryce, is he says he made a report about what he saw to the White House. It went to the science policy department but it did not go into the report that was provided to the president. Jimmy Carter was not told about what Dan Sheehan had seen. Now, I um, think, frankly, there's a good question. Why not? 
Well, you know, I, I can at least corroborate that Dan, Daniel Sheehan is telling that story. I, um, in 2001, when I was the uh, chairman of the Television Academy, I got a chance to have lunch with him. And I heard that and he knew about my Dark Skies experience. And he told me that story in exactly the same detail as you've just related. So <clears throat> he's been consistent on that story for years. I, I admire, though, that you have gone and track people down and seeing if they will say it. And, and so far, nobody is willing to step forward and do that. Hey, do we want to tell people about these two presidents that uh, saw yeah, UFOs? Absolutely. I want to hear okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Folks, listen, um, two presidents saw UFOs. The first is the man we've been talking about for a bit, which is Jimmy Carter. Uh, here's the short story of that. It was in 1969 in January. He was in Leary, Georgia. He was campaigning for governor. He was not yet elected. Um, it's about 7.15 at night. There's 25 witnesses. Uh, he's at a Lions Club about to give a speech. I guess he was in charge of some 56 Lions Clubs in, in southern Georgia at the time. And they all go outside. And this is how Carter describes what he saw. He saw something that was self-luminous. It came close. It moved away. It came close. It moved away. Uh, he saw it from 300 to 1,000 yards. Uh, it was very bright with changing colors. And then when it finally left, it left very quickly at a, a 30. It was hovering 30 degrees above the horizon, but then it just up and, and split. Carter, being the kind of guy he is, had a tape recorder in his car because he always was a great networker. And he wanted to, you know, he wanted to know who he was meeting at these Lions Club meetings. So he sat down in his car and he he told the story of the UFO to himself into the tape recorder. He went home and transcribed it. And in 1973, he filed the NICAP report uh, about this. So he was uh, not only on the record for having seen it, but what's fascinating is that he talked about having seen it during a presidential campaign, which is, is pretty fascinating. And <clears throat> just apropos of what you were talking about, and then we'll go to the second uh, president, but we ask our, our poll on Twitter, did, well, first of all, I have to tell the story. Richard Dolan, a uh, man who I wrote the AD After Disclosure book with and a, and a very uh, uh, compelling UFO historian, uh, uncovered a story about Carter where uh, he says it came, came from uh, someone who was very, very close to him in the administration, knew Carter had been getting some kind of briefing on UFOs and saw him in the Oval Office with his head in his hands crying after it. Okay. So I don't know what they told him. Maybe they didn't tell him anything and that's why he was crying. I don't know. Maybe it never happened because I don't know what Dolan's source is. So that's part of the problem of doing these investigations. But our people, when asked, did Carter receive a UFO briefing that caused him to cry at his desk? 50% of our audience, or at least our Twitter followers, said they thought that he did. Uh, no was only 16%, not sure 35%. So that was the Carter story. Um, I don't know what you think about crying at his desk. I don't know. Well, I, I think, um, as Lou Elizondo has said, if the public knew the full story, they would be somber. Right. Um, all right. So let's take this now to a man who was not known to be somber, but who was a genial type, the other American president who saw a UFO, and it was Ronald Reagan. All right. Ronald Reagan saw UFOs twice in his lifetime, uh, according to the reports. One of them we for sure know about, the other maybe uh, less certain. But in 1950, according to Lucille Ball, of all people, who wrote this in her memoir, 
uh, Reagan and his wife, Nancy, showed up at a party after having driven PCH uh, Pacific Coast Highway down here, not far from where I am right now. And he saw a UFO and he came to the party and he told Lucy about it, et cetera, et cetera. And she wrote about it. The big sighting for Reagan, though, is it's 1974. Okay, this is the year he is uh, running for governor and he's in a Cessna Citation business jet. And he and his pilot, Bull Painter, see uh, a UFO out there that is just astonishing to them. And, they, and Reagan says, let's follow it. So they actually chase this USO, UFO. Reagan describes it as lengthening. He said it accelerated at fantastic speeds and climbed at a 45 degree angle. Now, here's the interesting part of that. Most that's Painter talked about it. People have talked about that for years. He went and actually talked to a Wall Street Journal reporter about it. And apparently he was waved off by, and I can't, I can't remember the source of who waved him off, but said, uh, you know, Ronald, you can't keep talking about this stuff because it's, it's going to sort of undermine you. Now, remember, Reagan is the guy that for years, uh, uh, when he was president, did talk about what if they're aliens? Wouldn't that make us all get, to, get along together? And uh, he's also the guy that told Spielberg at an ET screening in the White House, you know, there's only two people in this room that know how true this movie is. So, you know, he's got that thing. And what I particularly like about the Reagan story is in the summer of 1974, uh, Reagan on the far right saw a UFO and John Lennon on the far left saw a UFO. So UFOs were not a political thing at that time. And I will conclude with this uh, comment about those two stories of two men that saw it and what it says about what we were saying at the beginning of this uh, episode uh, about how the media cover things. It was known to all members of the media in uh, 1980 when President Jimmy Carter debated soon to be President Ronald Reagan, two things. They knew for a fact that Carter claimed to have seen a UFO. All right. They knew for a fact that he had seen uh, claimed to see a UFO and people in the know knew that Reagan had claimed the same thing. And yet nobody asked about it. Didn't come up. Not a big deal. It, it was the UFO election of 1980. Both candidates had seen UFOs in 1976. Uh, President Gerald Ford uh, had tried to investigate UFOs in the Congress and Carter had seen one. Never came up then either. Sorry, that was a little long winded. No, no, not at all. It's, it's funny. I mean, I, and it's interesting, too, that Reagan and Carter both talked about their sightings, because as you and I both know, it's political death for politicians to talk about the fact that they're interested in this subject matter, because the stigma, the taboo that's attached to the subject matter is so strong. I mean, I've forgotten his name, but there was a uh, candidate for president who, who admitted that he'd seen a UFO, and it was used against him in the debates to devastating effect. It basically Dennis yeah. Kucinich was the um, former mayor of Cleveland, I think, and um, he was ridiculed for it. And it, it, it just rebounded to his detriment. By the way, quick uh, rounding out our polls on the Reagan poll, we asked, did Reagan have certain knowledge of alien reality that caused him to support the Star Wars missile system? 61% said, yep, he did. That's why they thought he supported Star Wars. Well, Bryce, all I can say is there's a thing I have huge respect for as a journalist. And as I get older, the more I believe in it. It's the wisdom of the crowd. And I'm often struck by how in major 
epochal events, in, in events that are changing. It's often the crowd that's there first before the supposed intelligent media picks up the trend. You know, when you're talking about the Arab Spring in the Middle East, it was already circulating on social media before people realised in the mainstream media and in government and uh, foreign affairs departments that it was happening. And I think that's a very similar thing with the subject of ufology, with the, the, the change that's occurring at the moment, because I do detect a change in the attitude in the mainstream media and in, in, in authority, including at the highest levels of the presidency. Former presidents are now talking candidly. Obama, Clinton, they're talking candidly about the fact that there is a mystery here that deserves investigation. And I, I think that's a positive. It is a positive. And as we wrap up today, let's just throw one thought out there. Uh, the next time we're going to have a presidential election where it's possible for anyone to talk about this is in 2024. And while people have not really talked about UFOs on the debate stages or even in the town halls uh, with uh, presidential candidates to any great degree at all, it's possible this year because, as we've pointed out, the NDAA says that every October um, there must be a, a unclassified report uh, about UAP turned over to the Congress and, and to the people. So that means in 2024, as in 2022, uh, in late October, uh, we should be getting a UAP report. So it might find its way into the 2024 presidential election as, as it should. And I think the timing this year is delicious, by the way, because you've got the report coming down in mid-October from the ridiculously named AOI-MSG, AOMISC. And, um, and uh, I think the midterms this year, the crucial midterms are on November the 8th, aren't they? So hopefully, yeah. in the last two or three weeks of the, uh, the midterms campaign, UAPs might just become a campaign issue. We, we, uh, we call that the October surprise that might happen. And by the way, every time you say the name of that, uh, that organization, the AOI-MSG, which stands for Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group, which is a real mouthful, it makes me say, I commit to coming up with a nickname for that group. I, if no one else will do it, I will do it, and we'll debut it on this show. Anyway, right. Any, if anybody up. in the military, they've coined this daffy, stupid acronym. It's classic oh military. <laughs> and they've done it, I'm sure, to make it as forgettable as possible. Because every time I write it down and put it up on my wall and try and remind myself what it means, it, it's deliberately done to be opaque and vague. It looks like it's up to us. We'll have to come up with our own name. Anyway, folks, we are out of time. From Los Angeles, I'm saying goodbye. And from Australia, I say farewell, but we'll be back soon with more. Need to know more? Email us. The address is contact at needtoknow.today. That's contact at needtoknow.today. We'll be back next time because you need to know.